pinch and a punch for the first of the month, no returns. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I win. And you know what, everyone listening? I got you as well. This is a new low. Let's get to the show. <laughs> this is newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Googling your symptoms always ends badly. It always turns out you've got the plague. But could ChatGPT be the online medical breakthrough we need? Also, how to address the scourge of vaping that's popping up in the country's primary schools. Why we might not be seeing any new TV in the near future. Plus, the thing that was found in a pub toilet in the UK that definitely did not belong in a pub toilet in the UK. We've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Emma, I need you to admit that uh, you have done something. Well, I'll only admit it if I've done it. The thing is Googling medical symptoms, you know, maybe you've like had a strange pain in your elbow and you were confused about it. And so you looked it up on the internet and found out that according to your symptoms, you have leprosy. Yes, no, definitely. And the, the, the trouble with doing that is is you often do it once you've moved out of home. So your mum is not there yeah. to come and console you <laughs> and yeah. book you the actual doctor's appointment that you yeah, need. I'm, I'm getting flashbacks <laughs> right now. Um, well, this process has now evolved. Hooray um, to Dr. Google. This is the next evolution of Dr. Google and it is Dr. Chat GPT. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yes, we love a bit of AI on this pod, and uh, it turns out that more of us might actually, because it could actually help doctors to ease their workloads in some ways. With us now to explain this is John Ears, an Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of California, San Diego. Morena, John. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. John, how accurate is medical advice from ChatGPT? Well, in our study, we pitted ChatGPT head-to-head against actual physicians. And we compared, we had a, a panel of healthcare professionals, all licensed in internal medicine, all practicing, review the responses blindly of ChatGPT versus an actual physician to the same healthcare-related questions, and ChatGPT won in a landslide. ChatGPT's responses were preferred about 80% of the time. ChatGPT was about three times more likely to give a response that was rated very good or good, and 10 times more likely to give a response that was rated empathetic or very empathetic. Did people know in the study that they were dealing with one or the other? No, they're blind. Oh, wow. So, of course, a doctor doesn't want to admit that a a machine could beat them. (gasps) And so we blinded them to that. The study is several of the first of its kind. So uh, the first is unique in that we use healthcare professionals. Typically, you evaluate a question answer service like, how does it make the person that asked the question feel? And we know that's not a very reliable source of data because Michael Jackson loved his personal doctor, right? He had the best one and that didn't work out too good, (laughs) right? So we use healthcare (laughs) professionals because even though they're way more expensive to use than just getting some people in a room with free donuts and free coffee, because we wanted to assess head-to-head, in the real world, how does ChatGPT compare to doctors? How do you think the the broader population would feel about ChatGPT being used more widely f- for purposes like this? Do you think that there could be a sense of discomfort, whether or not it's, it's justified? Well, I think there's two ways to look at it. You can practically look at it, and people are going to be using this with or without us. 
meaning us healthcare professionals, right? And so how do we stay in the loop here? And I think that's where our solution lies is, you know, now uh, during COVID, we have remote healthcare booming, you know, more and more people are seeking health online. Physicians and baskets are just overflowing and they're, they're having burnout and they're actually resigning from the profession. And at the same time, more people have questions than ever before that they're sending uh, to, to doctors' inboxes and they're not getting answered. We can do better than that by integrating uh, AI into the workflow. And I think, you know, people should feel more satisfied that they could get a response that's enhanced by a physician using AI than no response at all. Are there any concerns at all that the the advice from ChatGPT, the medical advice is wrong or isn't great? I suppose you have already touched on this about the idea of using ChatGPT as that first point of call and then a physician stepping in, reviewing and then sending it off. Does that mitigate the issue, I guess? I think in, in the real world, clearly we're concerned, but also we, we need to be practical here, right? We're not comparing ChatGPT with a physician to a physician that you've known for 10 years, they have a personal mm-hmm. relationship with, that knows your background, knows your history. People are disconnected from healthcare, right? I don't even know who my personal doctor is, and I work in healthcare, right? People don't have access, and so how do we, how do we get people access to healthcare? And I think that's, that's the goal here is, is getting increase in that access to healthcare and doing it in a way where we can maximize quality. And our study isn't about promoting open AI. It's not about simply reducing the burden on healthcare providers. It's about changing patient outcome. You know, we talk a lot about the icky feeling. Uh, patients may, you know, that may be their knee jerk reaction, right? AI and my doctor are getting together. But let's prioritize the outcome that they'll know about, and that's if they're here or not in five years. And that's the outcome we want to maximize here. It's absolutely fascinating stuff. John, Is thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay. Now, we should note here that some of the medical advice offered by ChatGPT was objectively wrong, uh, which sort of highlights that the use of the AI in a situation like this should absolutely be overseen and double-checked by a legit doctor. The study's authors say as much. It's still pretty amazing technology, though. Isn't it? Like, I mean, how do you feel about it? Would you, would you use this, Samo? I would 100% use it. Not only, yeah. um, I mean, as, as John was saying, it's, you know, to help medical professionals and ease the pressure on their plate and their workload and the time that they spend with patients. But I mean, for me personally, it would make things way faster and easier and more accessible as well if it's just little bitties that you need you need answered, right? Yeah, I feel pretty much the same. I mean, I'm interested in the audience's perspectives on this too. Like, would you use this? Would you trust it? Uh, why? Why not? Head to our Instagram and uh, let us know or flick us an email if you like as well. Newsable at stuff.co.nz. Regular listeners of the pod will know that we love a bit of TV. We talk about it a lot. A lot. I almost wondered one day when I came into work, do we just make this a TV podcast? Do we just make it a TV podcast? (laughs) A TV podcast. (laughs) Yeah, maybe our bosses wouldn't be too happy about that, but... (laughs) The content, though, would be great. Um, But if you want to know why all of the good TV comes out at once, we do have an answer to that. Uh, We did a whole episode, actually, with James Crute, the Stuff uh, TV editor, explaining that phenomenon. It was great content. But the good news is you might actually soon have a chance to catch up on all of the things on your list that you haven't watched. Because TV writers 
might be about to go on strike. It's bad news, good news. It's good, bad news. We're really clutching for a silver lining there, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and if that happens, that it means, of course, that no new episodes can actually get filmed until they come back. Now, Amo's been looking into some of the forces driving this, and it's all about a thing called the Writers Guild of America, right? Tell me a bit about that. So the Writers Guild of America, or the WGA, is a union that represents professional writers across all scripted mediums. So we're talking TV shows, movies, animations, documentaries, news programs, even some video games, right? So they negotiate basic wage minimums with major film studios, TV networks, producers guilds every three years to ensure writers are compensated fairly for their work, including when it's licensed or then produced. The WGA has been in negotiations with the Alliance for Motion Pictures and Television Producers since the end of March this year, trying to agree on a new contract that would kick in on May the 1st, which is today here, but tomorrow in the US. And those negotiations have gone about as well as Elon Musk's rocket launch thus far, and almost 98% of members have voted in favour of strike action. 98% wild. Mm, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You know, the question is, what do they... I'm guessing this is about money, is it? There's just so much more content these content. days than ever before. But while there's plenty of work, it's not necessarily paying as well as it should be. A March report called Writers Are Not Keeping Up points to a dramatic increase in writers working for the minimum basic agreement across the board in roles ranging from junior staff writers all the way up to experienced showrunners. It also found that overall, the percentage of TV writers working for effectively the minimum wage increased from a third and in 2014 to nearly half all writers in 2022. This is all giving me flashbacks because something similar happened like 15 years ago, right? And David Letterman grew out his beard and, and, and stuff. Do you remember that? <laughs> so the last writer's strike lasted for four months in 2007 slash 2008 right. and mainly concerned the WGA's demand for jurisdiction over new media that's defined as content written or distributed through emerging digital technologies. So streaming as we now know it. Of course, back then it was an emerging digital technology. <laughs> the TLDR is that basically while the WGA won the fight over pay, they lost it in another way because networks just started making a shit ton of reality TV, which allegedly doesn't need writers. The WGA took reality TV off the table during negotiations, meaning it doesn't get a piece of the saucy pie. Some notable personalities were, of course, unlikely beneficiaries here. The Real Housewives of Orange County premiered that fall, kicking off the entire Real Housewives franchise and beginning Andy Cohen's and the Bravo Network's ascension into trash TV glory. So did Keeping Up with the Kardashians, a show and phenomenon that gave Kim Kardashian and her family the platform that enabled them to define American culture for oh, the past gosh. And who knows when that'll end. That's the, that's the writer's <laughs> best like tool. In their, in their arsenal. <laughs> that, that's how they get the public on side. They say, hey, do you want another Keeping Up With The Kardashians? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, Pay us if, better. If you don't- <laughs> resolve this, resolve this. <laughs> wow. Or the Kardashians will continue. They'll continue their reign. I mean, they will. Their reign they of will, terror. They will regardless. Emil, yeah. <laughs> what's one place you shouldn't be finding a vape? Uh, well, I, I can think of quite a few places, actually. Um, the backstage at an anti-vaping conference, <laughs> um, on board of a rocket mm-hmm. ship, um, 
the throne room at Buckingham Palace. But I, th- I feel like you have a specific example in mind here. I do have a specific example. It's primary schools. I think ah. that would be pretty high up on the list of places you shouldn't be finding vapes. And in Hamilton, a primary school has confiscated vapes and vaping equipment worth about $2,000. Yeah, stuff's Rachel Moore is with the Waikato Times and has been reporting on this and she's with us now. Hey, Rachel. Hey, how are you? Very well, thanks. Now, tell us a bit about this. How young are the children who are getting into vapes here and where are they getting them from? So most of them are taking them from like an auntie or an older sibling. Mm. But uh, at this one Hamilton Primary School, as young as eight, Mm. uh, mostly 10 and 12-year-olds, but as young as eight. And how big of a problem is it? We mentioned $2,000 worth of vapes and, and vaping equipment. And uh, you've spoken to one Hamilton primary school. Is it, is it everywhere? They think so, yeah. A uh, spokesperson for the Principals Association said it's happening at schools up and down the country, mostly intermediate kids, but yeah, everywhere. G- give us a flavour of the level of concern among school administrators here. Like the, the principals, the teachers that you've spoken to, how worried are they about this? They're pretty concerned. It majorly affects brain development and lung development and children's anxiety levels and just being able to process information. Some of them are even getting hooked on nicotine. Eight years old. Um, that's that's astounding. Are schools, what are they doing to try and manage this? They're just doing what they can, really. There's not heaps of resources available to principals to deal with this kind of thing. It's pretty new. Vapes haven't been around for ages. I think they're all kind of dealing with it on a case by case, but most of them are calling for some government help. Do we know why kids are vaping? Peer pressure. They seem to think it's cool. They want to fit in, especially with their older siblings and older cousins. It's an interesting topic, this one, and I guess it's something that schools are going to have to figure out a way of managing over the coming sort of weeks, months, years. Uh, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Eight years old. Kids smoked out the backs of the bike sheds when I was at primary school, and it's it's not good. You don't want kids getting hooked to nicotine, right? Rachel's story also talked about some of these kids suffering from nicotine withdrawals, which is just astounding. And you can read more of Rachel's story on the Waikato Times website, (laughs) waikatotimes.co.nz. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. It was a strong Fun Fact Friday last week. Very strong Fun Fact Friday. Hugely um, strong. What, what was your one again? What do you mean, what was my one again? Uh, Rude. It was that there's only one Welsh pub in the entire Southern Hemisphere, the greatest, the most wonderful Welsh Dragon Bar in Wellington. Uh-huh. Great place for a pint. Yes, and mine was that uh, nobody knows what Einstein's final words were because they were in German and the nurse who was attending him did not speak German. It was very good. It, it was. Well done. Strong showing. Now, it's an unusual Fun Fact Friday this week. Producer Jono is not here, um, and so we are going to get the results via Slack Producer Philippa I've is just poised. Read them. I've just read them. Oh, I've just read them. Wow. Ooh, it was a strong win from me. 
81% to 19. Is that my strongest yet? <sighs> wow. Something comes over me when I won Fun Fact Friday. Can you hear the change in my voice? My whole body, it's like a shot of adrenaline, this. I think I'm going to need an order of the surnames of the people who voted in that Fun Fact Friday one. I promise that Nikki Wells only has one Instagram account, if that's what you're getting at. I want to see how many how many people are mutual friends of Imogen Wells <gasps> in that voting cabal. Oh, I've, my heart's racing. Kia ora, everyone. <sighs> Thank you. It was a brilliant fact. No, that was a strong That was a strong fun fact. Mm. The, the only Welsh pub in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. Wild. And a good time it is. We've got to talk about that news story that reads like the opening scene of a spy movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually writing a spec script about this as we speak. Well, the Writers Guild of America probably uh, <laughs> probably a great time to make a TV show. Ooh, terribly. Um, <laughs> but, of course, we're talking about uh, what happened in the UK over the weekend. What happened, Emil? So a bunch of documents with the words official and sensitive slapped on the front have been found in a pub toilet in a pub toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and they had details in them uh, about the Royal Navy's nuclear powered submarine, including how it operates. Um, uh, regrettably, the Navy has uh, poured water well, on their significance. Um, uh, the Navy said that the documents were generic and not classified. Of course, they would say that. You know, Boring. who believe them? The other ones who, I don't, <laughs> don't know how much I trust story. them. Yeah, Why would and you also, ruin the story? I don't know how much I trust them, given that they're leaving bloody sensitive top secret documents <laughs> in the pub toilet. <laughs> An investigation, of course, has, has, has been launched. But oh, what makes tree. it better? What could possibly make it better, Imogen? <laughs> The, the the pub was a spoons, a weird spoons, <laughs> which is a chain, a chain for those who haven't been to the UK. It's a chain of pubs. They're everywhere. They're on every corner. Um, and and they're just, they're dirty, they're dingy, they're grotty. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they microwave all their food. Some of them are quite nice, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Some, and some of them have nice exterior, but yeah. it's just like a spoons. A spoons is a spoons. <laughs> Anyway, this has probably been used as a plot device in many not very good spy shows and novels. And now it has happened in real life. And it just makes me happy. It makes me happy that humans are so fallible that they still do things like this. You Mama know, it, Mia, chef's curse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely glorious. There was a, a similar incident in New Zealand. Well, not similar, but like people leaving things where they shouldn't. Um, mm, mm. What, what's You're the one about, that I'm thinking um, of? Parliament? 2016, uh, when a police officer left a loaded gun in a toilet in That's Parliament. That's right. I think I, think I know that, the toilet as well, and it's a nice toilet, that one. Yeah. yeah. What do you think's worse, loaded gun in Parliament's toilets or uh, official documents in a Weatherspoon's <laughs> toilet? <laughs> um, uh, I think it's probably a loaded gun. I think it's probably a loaded gun, isn't I it? It depends on the nature of the of the leaked documents. It's probably definitely, yeah, it's probably definitely yeah. the loaded gun, I think, regardless <laughs> of what's in the documents. I think it's always going to be the loaded gun. And apparently the official word from police uh, after that happened was that the police officer uh, in question, who had left said gun, was doing a lot of soul searching. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Maybe a bit of job searching as well. It's not here nor there, is it? Anyway, that's news all for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. Remember, you can always get in touch with us. You can hit us up directly if you've got something to say. Uh, you can email us at newsable at stuff.co.nz. Also, remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and across all your social channels as well. Just search for us at newsable.nz. That's it. I'm it's that, it's signing done. off today. Gosh, I didn't know what I was going to say then. How exciting. 
This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. That, that, I think that, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.